The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. The divisional round. Playoffs. It's go time this week on Pod. Like a Raven. We waited all summer. We slogged through September. We got on track in October. And we dominated the NFL through November and December. And now it is postseason time for the Baltimore Ravens. And we are excited to talk about it with you. I am Antonio Barbera. I'm going to bring in my co-hosts as part of a loaded episode here. Tim Horsey, first off. Tim, a lot of playoff football this past weekend. No Ravens. How you feeling now? Pass, pass those games. Ready for, ready for real football. Oh, incredibly nervous. Um, it, it, I don't... I... I haven't really grasped my emotions yet and being able to kind of put them into context. You know, it, I think Saturday is going to get here very quickly and all of a sudden it's going to be like, oh God, here we go. And then 4.30 is going to take forever to get there from Saturday. I wake up Saturday and want the game to immediately start just to not get it over with, but just get get to the reality of the situation and what's going to happen on that football field. But yeah, it'll be nice to see the real Ravens again. Um, but just talking about it makes me grit my teeth in a way that I'm just, I, I'm, I'm it's all jumbled up inside, man. I'm re- I'm really, really nervous, but, uh, but ready to go. I'm ready to go. This is going to be part analysis, part pep talk, part therapy. Uh, Jay Sevens, how are you feeling coming off of wildcard weekend? ready for a Raven playoff game. Yeah, I, I feel I feel like kind of very similar to Tim, kind of like an extended version of the Sunday Scaries, I think, set in uh, Monday during that Bills game when it became clear, like, all right, it's happening. We're playing the Texans. We're playing at 4.30. I don't know if it's good or bad that they're the first game of the divisional weekend. <laughs> I haven't sorted through my thoughts on that yet. But I will say, you know, in, in total kind of the the my focus turned – to the Ravens and just the impending nervousness that accompanies pretty much every Ravens game, but especially Ravens playoff games. Uh, it was a wonderful wild card weekend. I, you know, the games I weren't great. I'll say that straight up. There was about one. There was one great game, and then a lot of just kind of mad games. But I will say, for as many mad games as we got, it was a really interesting weekend. A lot of weird stuff happened. Obviously, the Cowboys implosion, the Eagles implosion. We'll get more into that. Just kind of, I think create some real compelling storylines coming out but yeah the main the main thing sets us up ravens texans and uh 
yeah, I'm gonna be nervous all week. Uh, <laughs> it's I don't know. I, I yeah, I don't know how I'll get through this week, but we'll we'll make it through it somehow. We have a lot to discuss here. We're gonna go through uh, a little bit of Ravens news and notes. We're gonna recap Wild Card Weekend, preview the divisional round, then preview Texans at Ravens. So I'll go ahead and say, it. if you as a listener are saying, look guys, I I need to hear about this Texans Ravens game, please, like let's get to it. Jump ahead. 60-minute mark. That's probably where we're going to be talking about that game, but a lot of other things to talk about ahead of time. Starting with uh, Mike McDonald, something I want to bring up quickly. He has gotten approximately, first it was two to three interviews. Now it's like 15 interviews. It's too many. Looking less and less likely that he is a member of the Baltimore Ravens coaching staff next season. It's just another reason to lean into the... Uh, you know, we we got lightning in a bottle this season with players, with one seed, with the bye, with the coaches. Um, Jace, you have a lot of detail on this, the, fu- the full list, dare I say. But uh, it's looking rough for the Ravens being able to hang on to Mike McDonald. Yeah, Patrick Ricard, uh, I, I believe it was this past week, but at some point he told Jeff, Jeff Zarebic, this season's kind of now or never. And I think that's nowhere clearer than in this coaching staff. It is going to change. It is going to change significantly. Uh, As you said, McDonald in particular uh, has interviewed with the Panthers, Chargers, Titans, Falcons, and Commanders. That's every team with an opening minus the Raiders and the Seahawks who are reportedly interested in him. And it just seems incredibly, incredibly unlikely that he's not going to get one of these jobs if he's interviewed for literally every job. That seems to suggest he's in demand. And we've talked, I think it was last week, we talked about the reasons why. He's young, the the NFL's falling in love with, you know, this scheme, I guess. I don't know exactly who all cooked it up, but the Harbaugh brothers running it in college and in the NFL. Uh, It's in demand, and, uh, you know, he's the best at it to this point, Mike Mike Max. So, uh, yeah, he seems gone, and with him will possibly, you know, come assistance whenever he leaves. So there's just going to be a big-time talent drain, and he's not the only guy. Anthony Weavers, uh, the associate head coach and uh, I believe the defensive line coach for the Ravens, who you would think will probably be like the head to be or the guy in line to be the D.C. if McDonald leaves. He's interviewed for two head coaching jobs. <laughs> Todd Munkin's interviewed for two head coaching jobs with the, uh, the Panthers and the Chargers, you know, two teams with young quarterbacks they want to uh, get the most out of. So... There is just going to be a big brain drain uh, sort of on this team. Chris Hewitt and Denard Wilson are getting interviews for defensive coordinator positions. Uh, So, yeah, it's with Mike Mack leading the way, he seems the most gone of everyone. But this 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 coaching staff is going to be wildly different. And, you know, Harbaugh has had to rebuild the staff in prior years. They've had similar exoduses, but we're looking, I think, at something we probably haven't quite seen. So, yeah, go win the Super Bowl because who cares who the defensive coordinator is next year if we uh, win the Super Bowl? <laughs> Can I play early optimist before turning back into realist? <laughs> Let's do this with Mike Mack. Um, I'll just kind of go through your list here. Falcons, probably going to get Bill Belichick. Kind of looks like that's where he's going if he doesn't go to the Philadelphia Eagles, who we'll get to a bit later in the show. Chargers. All the links, and this is, again, as we record on Tuesday evening, and you're listening hopefully Wednesday morning or maybe a little bit before the game, you might know some of these already, or these might have changed a little bit. Chargers, 
Looks like Jimmy Harbaugh is going to go and hang out in sunny L.A. with with Justin Herbert and go, you know, 10 and 7 and miss the playoffs. (laughs) Mike Mack is too smart to take a Commander's or Panther's job. He's too smart. He's too smart. He's not doing that. Come on. And that, so that only leaves, I guess, the Seahawks, which is um, just a wild proposition. Mike Vrabel kind of being the latest to be linked there, which would be really cool. Out West, once every four years. Only in a Super Bowl, hopefully. Like, that would be sweet for Mike Vrabel. Go there, Mike Vrabel. Great job, Mike Vrabel. That leaves the Titans, which might be a doomsday scenario. Um, but, like, I, that's another team that's kind of just in a eh. They, they just got rid of a, I wouldn't say legendary, but very good coach who had a dispute with owners. You don't want to play for a bad owner. So maybe he just doesn't take any of these jobs. Maybe <laughs> none of these jobs are good enough for Mike McDonald. And that's why I... I think he's probably going to leave. Uh, I, I th- you know, look, there's only, they, they always say there's only 32 of these. I, for his sake, honestly, and this is something we'll talk more about in the off season and what have you. I hope he takes a job that is set up for success and doesn't just take the Panthers because David Tepper gets drunk one night and offers him like $80 million and <laughs> to, to be that coach because nobody else wants it. Like, I really hope he does. So, and he seems like, you know, he's a young guy. He's got his head on his shoulders. It seems like he's going to be able to do that. Um, it is a little bit concerning with the likes of an Anthony Weaver as well, also getting opportunities too, where you kind of just want a natural fit. Somebody who's been around this defense to just slide right up there and take over something that the players are familiar with as well. So that's a stealth, like scary candidate. And I will just say this, John Harbaugh is a much better coach than Nick Sirianni. Like, world's better not like doesn't do the goofy we're gonna do rocky and scream at chiefs fans and i'm just gonna be a a bag of metaphors the entire time and stupid phrases and all this stuff he's an actual football coach which is being debated right now in philadelphia with that with their head man but we have seen what happens when you lose both coordinators and that can be really concerning what i will say to that and we said this last week as well I really don't see Todd Munkin going anywhere. I just, I know he's getting coaching interviews, but I think that is a man who kind of knows where his bread is buttered. He loves wearing the all, the grout fit, the all gray sweatsuit outfit and talking about slinging the ball with Lamar Jackson. I think, I don't know, maybe this is the blind faith uh, as a Ravens fan, but I think he's at the point in his career where he's like, I'm going to hitch my wagon to the most uniquely talented quarterback in the national football league. Maybe outside of Patrick Mahomes, maybe not with the running ability. And just we're just gonna ride this train. God hope so. We'll see. But um We're not we shouldn't be talking about this, guys. Shouldn't be talking about this. The Ravens are in the playoffs and we're leading with Mike Mack interviews. Come on, man. No, no, we're not doing it. I hope you didn't skip ahead. I hope you're still listening, but it it just it just goes to show you how good they've been. That everybody wants a piece of the pie. This has happened to the Ravens before, it'll happen to the Ravens again. And, um, you know, hopefully it just we can um, temper the loss a little bit with, you know, that, that, that shiny silver trophy lifted above the heads in, in about a month here. All right, well, let's get back to talking about the Ravens' present then. And it's, uh, it's some news. Um, I think the three of us view it a little bit different levels of excitement. Uh, I tried to temper my uh, expectations with this, but I, I, I couldn't, literally. It, like an hour passed, and I started up, like my hand was like tapping the couch. 
Mark Andrews returning to practice last week. I had him down as a maybe available for the Super Bowl. Uh, highly unlikely he'd be available for the AFC Championship game. Absolutely nothing for the divisional round. Return to practice significantly earlier than I thought. Um, does not mean he's going to immediately play meaningful football, which we will get in in a second. But simultaneously, like a few days apart, the Ravens waived wide receiver Laquan Treadwell, and then they put cornerback Demarion Williams on IR. They have two open active roster spots for some combination of cornerback Ardarius Washington, Devin DuVernay, who's coming back from his own injury, Dalvin Cook, who they just signed, and Mark Andrews. Uh, maybe this is important for me. Tell me to calm down. This is not a thing for at least three weeks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think you can. I mean, we got a very Harbaugh-esque quote today on Mark Andrews. He, quote, took a big step. With his best practice yet on Tuesday. Does that mean literally? Like he physically took a very big step and that's all it means? <laughs> he, he, he went nearly a full yard with his stride. <laughs> no, I, uh, yeah, I, I really don't know what to make of the Andrews thing. Because when he first showed up, we were texting about it. And I think I told you guys, I was like, it means nothing. And then like, yeah, now, now it seems like he keeps practicing and practicing. And you're like, he's still not really, I think, involved in like full team stuff so it doesn't seem likely we'll see him this weekend um but <laughs> the fact that he's back I, I just i don't know what to make of it it's it's the it, the ravens injury thing has confounded me so many times because i thought for sure we lost ronnie stanley to a season-ending injury at like midway through this season he's down holding his knee and then he was like back like a week later and like like same with like Linderbaum comes back and then I don't know the the injuries have just been all over the place I feel like for this team and, and admittedly better in recent years on the injury front but this one has just kind of confused me from the start which is to say I don't really know what's happening but I would absolutely be stunned if he plays uh, on Saturday. I think you're right to be excited for a potential conference championship game though. I think you're excited. You're you know, bound to be excited about, I don't know about Dalvin Cook, but unlike, I think some other people get a little more steamed up about Dalvin Cook than I do, but I, I'll be personally negative on it. That's fine. Um, and I think the biggest thing is that I, I'm really getting scared because I don't want to like say something and then all of a sudden it's like, well, that's bulletin board material for the no person that heard it. Um, I don't think it matters when Isaiah likely is playing at the level that he's playing at. I think it matters as against the Chiefs or Bills, not to downgrade the Texans. I think the Texans are a very scary team, as we'll get to later in this show. Don't skip ahead. Keep listening right now, right here. Stop. Don't hit that button. Don't do it. Don't you dare. I I think that they have enough weapons and a insanely good tight end who makes them, in my opinion, the best tight end combo in the league, not the Buffalo Bills um, for the arguments that were being had on Monday night when that game was going on, that Isaiah likely, as we've seen, can cover for, and let Mark Andrews get fully back. And then you know what Mark Andrews is? Mark Andrews, at the very least, is an incredible decoy because everybody thinks the ball is going to him and it might not be. Um, I did see one take that I thought was amazing that uh, is the offense better without Mark Andrews because Lamar just doesn't look just for Mark Andrews, which is just a, just a, the, the hottest of Skip Bayless hot takes, which, you know, <laughs> respect. 
Um, but I think I think it's good to see. It's great to see. God hope we're still there when he's actually fully ready to go. And we have a incredible substitute for him. This is it's not There are arguments that it's not even a downgrade. Now, I would say it's a slightly bit of a downgrade, but it might not be. And and the gap is small at this point for me between Isaiah Likely and Mark Andrews. So we don't we need Mark Andrews. I love Mark Andrews. He's <laughs> one of the best players on this team. I think you you let him get fully healthy so that when it really, really matters, and this is a risk as a man who is already terrified of a divisional game, and it's like, like the Ravens persona in me is legit holding its breath until 4.30 on Saturday. Like, I think you let him get fully healthy for the future games and let Isaiah likely just let it be likely season against Houston and we'll see what happens all right let's get to wild card weekend we're gonna quickly recap uh, all the games that happened over the weekend and kind of our uh, main impressions of them starting with Browns Texans uh, let's get I'll take a, a brief step back here I had one of the most incredible whiffs uh, of a of a prediction weekend in, in my career a historic whiff of a weekend and it started with browns texans um kind of liked the browns d in this game thought flacco could do enough texans rookie qb rookie coach happy to be there could have been bounced by the colts uh no no it was texans uh not all day but most of the day uh, and i gotta i gotta admit tim all over this one um with the Flacco disaster game, but I will argue that looking back on this game now or the day after, what have you, the biggest issue for me was for the Browns in this game was their defense. This was not supposed to be a game where Joe Flacco is the one who's going shot for shot with CJ Stroud and keeping them in a shootout. Um, and that's what it was at the start. And then guess what? The, the 38, 39 year old, couldn't keep up the pace of that game, and then had a couple of disastrous throws. Um, one of them being on fourth down. Like, it's a fourth down. The, the game was almost out of reach. It looked ugly. It's two pick sixes. You're going to lose a playoff game when when you do that. But the the most shocking aspect was the Browns' defense, almost with a no-show in this playoff game, um, missing assignments, bad tackling, over-pursuit. And we will talk about that when we get into the Ravens-Texans preview uh, a little bit. The Texans looking to take advantage of that all day against the Browns. Uh, I have my doubts about how they do that against the Ravens. But in this one-off playoff game, Browns nowhere to be seen, uh, and Texans now riding high after a home playoff win. What What really upsets me and pisses me off about this, and I don't want to go hindsight's twenty twenty here, and maybe it was something that we hadn't brought up on the show. And if we hadn't, I apologize for that because we should have. We've had fun with the notion that this Browns defense is this incredible unit. When it was in our face this entire time, and I think we have said it on this show, away from home, they weren't good. They simply were not good away from home. So, yeah, I pointed out the Joe Flacco thing. Joe Flacco paying homage to another Ravens legend, Matt Schaub, and just tossing pick sixes <laughs> at NRG Stadium. Just just throwing them all over the place. Good on you, Joe. Kind of wish you would have had a more competitive game so then there would have been a Deshaun Watson-Joe Flacco quarterback battle in Cleveland that would have just derailed that team in 2024, which would have been great. Uh, probably not going to happen now, unfortunately, for old Smokin' Joe, who was out of Marlboro Reds uh, in Houston. <laughs> but we saw... 
like we saw it all year that the Browns defense was bad away from home and the national media, you know, not to be that guy, pounding the table for this unit being absolutely incredible and saying that they're the best unit in the playoffs and this team has got superstars all over when I just I didn't I did not get the Browns love in this game. I I you know, I don't get a lot right, but the Texans thing I sniffed out and I we'll do Texans later, so I don't want to get too deep into them, but uh man CJ Stroud's a dude like he's just that was a moment that is a moment where it's like okay that guy can play but yeah I think I think you're right uh, Antonio I think Joe Flacco didn't lose this game for them even with the bad mistakes they quit after the second pick six the team absolutely quit which you love to see by the way we'll get to you Philadelphia um I just I just think the Browns were severely overrated in this game against the Texan side who wanted to saw all of it, obviously, who have a franchise quarterback and an incredible head coach with a lot of talent around on both sides of the football. I just thought it was it was weird that the Browns were getting so much love and the Texans kicked it in their face on Saturday. Well, Tim, I know we had talked about like the discrepancy, but I didn't realize it was literally like statistically the best scoring defense at home and then the browns were the 32nd scoring defense on the road it's it's like a statistical profile that just i don't even know if we've seen something like that before it makes no sense to have those splits like what are they doing so much differently in road games than home games uh, it, it, it's very odd it doesn't really make sense but you know, you mentioned Stroud. He took advantage of that. He's a good enough quarterback in year one. He's going to be the offensive rookie of the year. He's really talented, and he just kind of picked him apart. Like, yeah, I agree. Like, the, the Flacco pick sixes, and it, part of it was kind of sad to see because you're like, I kind of uh, – I was with you as like, I either thought the Browns were winning the Super Bowl, like with Flacco leading the way, or he was going to have one of these implosions, and it kind of happened. Uh, but like we said, he'd been throwing picks in these other games, but the two pick sixes are a, a kind of a historic anomaly. You, we haven't seen a quarterback do that since the 2000, uh, uh, Todd Collins, a Washington quarterback in the 2007 playoffs, had two pick sixes. He was the last quarterback to do that. But I agree with you guys. That just kind of drove the dagger in because when he throws those pick sixes, it's, it's 24-14. The Browns are down already in the third quarter. And then he throws two pick sixes, and then it's 38-14. to 14, And you're like, well, this game's... This game's over now, <laughs> if it wasn't already. So, yeah, I don't think he was the reason they lost. I thought he was playing pretty well prior to that point, certainly. He had some really nice passes to Njoku in particular. But, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's weird season in Cleveland. They played five quarterbacks. Jeff Flacco's probably going to finish runner-up of, you know, comeback player of the year and be on a different team next year. Just a very – I don't know what to make of this season if you're the Browns. But for the Texans, obviously, we will we'll play them. They're a good team. Um, for sure. Uh, all the division winners advanced. So um, I think this was the most toss-up game, and it ended up uh, being one of the biggest beatdowns, I think the biggest beatdown by score margin, right, of like the whole weekend. So um, I don't know. Weird. It was a strange one. It was a weird one, but not something I didn't 100% see coming. I, I guess I thought the Browns would hang closer uh, than certainly uh, 45 to 14 uh, indicates, I guess. Uh, Jace mentioning... Uh, my favorite takeaway from this game, uh, Joe Flacco likely solidified a role somewhere on another team as of like August of next season, not uh, November or, or whenever it was that he ended up joining. So um, 
that's good because if he wants to keep playing, would love to see. Would love to see Jolton Joe uh, out there as a backup or fringe starter somewhere. Uh, the next game, Dolphins Chiefs, maybe the only one that went uh, kind of according to how a lot of people saw it. It's very cold. Tua hates the cold. How will the Dolphins score? That's exactly what happened. They didn't really score. Um, fraud watch coming to its final conclusion <laughs> for this Dolphins team. Banged up defensively, struggling to score against strong competition, struggling to win against strong competition, and they um, really were out of this Chiefs game uh, fairly early as Kansas City tacked, tacked on more and more field goals. Um, where do the Dolphins go from here? I guess we could do quickly for both teams. Where do the Chiefs go? Where do the Dolphins go? We know the Chiefs are now playing the Bills, but do we really feel that much better uh, about them as a playoff contender? And then what the heck do the Dolphins do uh, at the quarterback position? I'll go quickly on the Chiefs because we'll do a little bit preview later. Uh, yeah, I I feel I, – I think I feel better about the Chiefs because they're playing that mash-all-the-buttons Bills team that we saw against the Steelers. And – I. They couldn't. I know, I know the Steelers hang around like a bad cold sore, but they, you couldn't. They couldn't finish him. They couldn't kill him off. And if you don't kill off the Chiefs, it's going to go a whole hell of a lot differently at Orchard Park. Like throwing the snowballs ain't going to be fun anymore. It's going to get dangerous. But um, for the Dolphins, I don't know what you do because Tua is. I know it's just like well, everybody gets paid that rate as a quarterback now. Two is the guy you don't pay that. You just don't. And I don't know what his value is outside of outside of Miami. Now, I was listening to some other podcasts today, and one of them had a Dolphins fan on it. And it was interesting because from their, from their perspective, Tua is the first Pro Bowl quarterback they've had in the 21st century. And it's, it's historically bad in terms of a fan base that hasn't had this in a while. So maybe for that fan base, you just say, you know, that's who the guy is. And if you do that, I think all the pressure not only falls on Tua because he's now the guy that gets paid, which we've talked about with Lamar Jackson over and over again, but I think that falls to coaching as well. Mike McDonald has to have a plan B. you got to have a different plan. You cannot be like – you have this really good running game, but it's all, it's all smoke and mirrors and stretch plays to the edge and what have you. I know you just want to turn up the gas all the time and run, 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 but unless you get the one seed and everybody's coming through Miami, like, you're going to face games and maybe not the historical, you know, freezing mustaches off cold, but you're going to have games in the cold that you're going to have to play a little smash mouth football and, and, and play good defense and you can scream injuries all you want. This Dolphins team was never going anywhere and that was pretty evident for a long time and it really got exposed in a, like, beyond stereotypical cold playoff game in the Midwest. Like, they have to have a different plan. I I don't, you know, it's hard to say. I, I don't know. I know I just said it, but I, I am backtracking a little bit. It's hard to say, like, well, you got to get rid of Tua because he's not the guy for a fan base that has literally never had the guy. <clears throat> But if he's the guy, I think you're going to be stuck as this B-level team that maybe if thing, things fall your way, you get to the AFC title game, maybe. But I don't see him going much farther than that. And I think we all love Mike McDonald. He, he's the cool nerd that we all want to hang out with, and he's funny, and he's, he's personable, and like the press conference clips are great. And I, I don't think there's like 
he's not getting fired or anything. But I think next season, I think there's going to be a lot of pressure on this team to show up, show out, and show something different. Show something that they have a plan B. They have a different style of play because you run this back, it's not going to work. It's just not. And, and you know, they, you saw it this weekend. Well, it's, it's, it's one and six, right, against teams that made the playoffs this season, uh, including the playoff game and for the Dolphins. And, yeah, you, you mentioned Fraud Watch. It doesn't get more fraud than we went one and six against teams that made the playoffs, and the team we beat is the Cowboys, who we'll get to in a minute. Yeah. Oops. Uh, you know, Fraud Watch part two there. So, yeah, I – and this was, I think, by far the worst game of Wild Card Weekend. And, it, and I think it's because the Dolphins roll in it. Because aside from that, you know, Tyreek Hill has a very nice touchdown um, on an underthrown ball by Tua that he made a good play on. Uh, but aside from Tyreek, uh, that touchdown, it just felt like the Dolphins were never in this game. The Chiefs score on their first possession. They make it 10-0. The Dolphins briefly get that touchdown. And then it's just they do nothing the whole game. And I agree. I don't know what you do. I was having this exact – what you just said, Tim, that debate. I was having it with a coworker who did mention, yeah, it's been basically 20 years in the wilderness since Dan Marino retired. And so maybe you run it back. But I don't know. It, it, for this game uh, – and that makes it hard to know, I think, of the Chiefs. I felt good about the Chiefs to some degree. They had they outgained them 409 to 264, but this just felt like every single Chiefs game to me that I watched all the series, which is a lot because the Chiefs are always on national TV, and uh, you know they, uh, they they were in control the entire time. Yet you just look and you're like, why is this game 13 to seven? They've been dominating this entire game. The Dolphins can't do anything. But then once it got to 16-7, to you thought, like, well, that's kind of game over, the way the Dolphins were playing. And it just sort of continued to be that very slow, methodical. And, like, so, you know, part of me that feels good because I think, yeah, the Chiefs can grind out a playoff win in Buffalo when it's cold. And they still have Patrick Mahomes, but they leave a lot on the table, too. So that's it was hard to – it's hard to know too much what to make of them. I, I'm still optimistic, I guess negatively optimistic, I guess, about them going forward. Um, I do think they can win. We'll get to that uh, in Buffalo next week. But, um, yeah, at least as it pertains to this game, it, it, it all falls on the Dolphins and just them. You know, and they had a lot of injuries. Like, their, what, top three pass rushers were all out for this game, basically. But, yeah, this this was just a slog of a game. The weather certainly didn't help, but it felt like the Dolphins didn't have a chance. And, uh, yeah, they were frauds and <laughs> got proven to be so by a team that uh, has become, you know, a team that wins in the playoffs year in, year out at – a very hard place to play. So not too many other takeaways from this game other than, yeah, sad end to the Dolphins season for their fans. Uh, with the Lions winning, which we'll get to in a little bit, uh, the Dolphins now have the longest playoff drought, um, wind drought in the entire NFL. So, yeah, something's got to change for them because uh, that was that was pretty bleak on uh, Saturday night. Winning the division for them seemed mandatory, and it seems like that in the future, if they keep the same shell – Josh Allen's not going anywhere. Bills aren't going anywhere as a constant threat. So they are in a tough uh, in a tough spot, but I don't know how they let Tua go and improve at the quarterback position being a winning football team. They got to get extremely fortunate with a second round draft pick or something like that or go the like I mean it's not going to happen this this offseason, but go the like Kirk Cousins Root like established veteran who 
with weapons maybe will shine even more. But I, I don't know how much better that type of player is than what than what you already have. But boy, it'll be tough. It'd be tough to give to a fifty million dollars a year at, at, at let, this point he, with what we've seen. He led the league in yards this year. To it did so like yeah, and he had twenty nine TDs. So yeah, it's it's a weird kind of no man's land with him. But he definitely didn't seem the guy on Saturday night at the very least. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. All right, let's talk. Uh, oh my gosh, Packers, Cowboys. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, you want to know the importance of coaching staffs in the NFL? Here are some things that color commentator Greg Olson said in the first half <laughs> of this Packers-Cowboys game. Uh, Cowboys usually play man. Not sure why they're playing all this zone, as Green Bay was able to march up and down the field with regularity. Next quote, Packers struggle on first down pass defense, and Cowboys love first down pass, but they're doing a lot of first down runs to start. I don't know why they chose to do that. Um, Mike McCarthy, yeah, comes over to talk to CeeDee Lamb on the sidelines. That was after one three and out. It was after the first drive of the game for the Cowboys, a three and out, and it was already like disaster town on the sidelines in a 7 nothing football game in the second half. A quote from Greg Olson. Not sure why the Cowboys are defending with a six-man box when you know the Packers are going to run the ball. <laughs> what was going on? And like it, this smells like some sort of backroom dealing was happening because none of it made sense. The coaching decisions didn't make sense on either side of the ball. The play from the Cowboys didn't make sense. The demeanor of the players immediately in this game didn't make any sense. What's going on? What happened in this football game? I think it's the just kind of manifestation of pressure in many ways. I mean, clearly they were tight. They were not as prepared, as you said, with all those quotes as they probably should have been. And it's just really weird with McCarthy. Uh, my buddy Chris, friend of the show, shout out. Uh, he jokingly said in our group chat, he was like, they should... Uh, Mike should be the first coach who coaches from the booth uh, because (laughs) (laughs) so he can't screw up on game day. And I like, I was like, I actually think that might work with Mike McCarthy because he is objectively like a good coach at the big picture stuff. The Cowboys have gone 12 and five, three consecutive years. Clearly McCarthy does something right in the week to week flow of an NFL game, but the Cowboys now are the first team to win 12 games, three consecutive years and not reach the conference championship game. <laughs> clearly something has infected the brains of the, the, probably the star players on this team and the head coach. And it just all goes sideways on them in the playoffs. I, I, you know, I thought the Packers, and I think we talked about it. I thought the Packers could hang tough, but I was, I was still stunned by this just because the, the Cowboys had won 16 straight games in Jerry world. And then they're down. It was 
what 48 17 right like at one point like it was just an annihilation they just got their doors blown off i know the final score ends up being closer because the packers did some some weird stuff down the stretch but i just i didn't see this one-sided beatdown coming and i feel like you gotta move just move on from mike mccarthy because it's like it's not if like I, I mean, and there's Dak Prescott questions too, but this is the exact same thing we kind of just talked about with the Tua thing. It's like, who better are you getting? Guy led the league in touchdown passes this year. Like, he's a good quarterback, but uh, I don't know. It feels like McCarthy's not long for the job because whatever he does well to get to build regular seasons together, he's he's not really had you know a successful postseason since 2010 uh, when they the Packers won the Super Bowl with Rodgers so this has been a McCarthy problem going back to his time with the Packers but yeah this this was uh, I mean an all-time flame out for the Cowboys and I think one that's going to bring change because something has to change you can't be this good consistently and look that bad on your place that you never lose it, it was just a really bad look all around when the going gets tough the tough get going and the Cowboys leave like they just they the adversity thing man like it's the thing that we complained about with the ravens forever and this team has it like tenfold it there, any little thing goes wrong and is not working perfectly cd lamb coming off like an all-time performance in his last game and had just had the best season ever as a cowboys uh, uh the cowboys receiver has ever had and like one play in he's screaming at dak who was all over the place. Still finished with 400 yards, by the way. So <laughs> don't let Cowboys fans, you know, tell you that he was super bad. Um, money aside, like he's going to get a new deal here soon, I think, Prescott. He's kind of due for one relatively soon. I don't know, man. It, this is a little bit different from the Dolphins thing for me where I think you do kind of got to move on from Dak. And, like, McCarthy – they're probably going to keep McCarthy because I, I saw something that like they they actually for you want to think Dallas is like you know quick fire and like getting rid of these people and everything they actually keep coaches around like longer than they should pretty much. Garrett Garrett was there like nine years. Garrett, Jason Garrett was there nine years. Um, the clapper as they as they call him. So I I almost think McCarthy has another chance to, has a chance to stay around as does Dak. They run it back. We, we tell ourselves like four times during the year that, oh, man, the, the, this might be the Cowboys' year. And then the Packers come in and get another win at AT&T Stadium um, in the playoffs. They actually, if you include the Packers' Super Bowl win uh, back in, in 2010, they have more playoff wins than the Cowboys do at AT&T Stadium <laughs> with three. The Cowboys have two at this point, which is absolutely insane. Um, look, I don't – you know, I, I've said on this podcast, I know everybody hates the Cowboys that isn't a Cowboys fan. If you, They're kind of like my second team in a weird way. Not really anymore, but, um, you know, you, you date a girl who has Eagles ties. You don't really do the Cowboys thing anymore, I will say that. Uh, but I don't I don't necessarily have, like, the hatred that a lot of people have for the Cowboys. I'll just put it that way. Um, this, it, it would be embarrassing at this point. And, like... I would be furious if the Dolphins, I can kind of understand just sticking with it and going again, is even though they probably need to change. The Cowboys absolutely cannot, and yet they're probably going to. On the Packers' side, um, I'm sorry, NFC North. Like, it's just that they can't keep getting away with this. They just have 
another franchise quarterback who kind of looks like Aaron Rodgers. He's just like throwing <laughs> off his back foot, just absolute missiles all over the place. A guy that also sat four years and then just, oh yeah, he's good. They have all these weapons around him who are like 21 to 24 that are all just going to grow together as well. Um, the defense sucks and they probably need to fix that still. They showed up in some moments today, but or uh, in, in the game, excuse me, but you know, overall, not good. Uh, Joe Barry, bad coach. So maybe they need to fix that part, but it's just insane that they just the Packers just kind of okay. Here's a new franchise quarterback. Here's all these new toys that the old guy wanted for so long. Um, they're not first rounders, mind you, but they're all incredible and they all have different skill sets and what have you. Um, just what a blowout! What a remarkable blowout in this game. The one thing I will say, Greg Olson, great commentator. Uh, Antonio put, points out a lot of the good things that he said. He also said that if Mike McCarthy was on the open market, people would be clamoring to hire him. You missed on that one, Greg. I think you missed a little <laughs> bit. I don't think the uh, the recent track record, albeit great in the regular season, has garnered a lot of interest uh, if, he, if he does seem to hit that open market. Rams-Lions, pretty simple. Uh, best game of the weekend because it was the only good game of the weekend. <laughs> that's that's the analysis that I that I have. Uh, back and forth could have gone either way late. Yeah, there, it's weird. Like this was, as you said, undisputably the best game. But I I also don't have that much to say about it. It was just really high level game. I thought Stafford was awesome. Uh, Goff certainly started really awesome and made that huge throw late. Kind of a bold decision out of the two minute warning to convert and i'm just you know happy for lions fans uh i think we had talked about it leading into the game they had not won a playoff game since january of 1992 and that was their only win in the playoffs since 1957 so not a lot of playoff success for pretty much anyone under 70 years old (laughs) Um, uh, has not seen the lions really uh succeed very much uh in our lifetimes and they're hosting two playoff games uh, for the first time ever uh so with the cowboy cowboys losing and it's just kind of cool that uh you know we we don't have to relitigate the the brad allen uh you know, false reporting, mm-hmm. the eligible tackle thing. It just, maybe that's the football gods working everything out. But uh, yeah, this was a great game. I, you know, I, I thought Stafford's tough as hell. Uh, he's, he's a great quarterback, but I do think the lions are just, a, you know, a little farther along sort of the Rams really great rebuild on the fly, but yeah, this was a great game. Kind of felt like it was going to come down to who had the ball last, which it basically did. Lions were able to seal it. So yeah, this is awesome. As a man who has to work very early in the morning, I was super annoyed that this was the late game because I didn't watch all of it um, because I, I just, I had to go to bed. Um, but the atmosphere is incredible. Congratulations, Detroit. I uh, remember when everybody made fun of Dan Campbell. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that guy sets a culture and a tone and he did it from day one. And that team loves him. I love the Jared Goff. Jared Goff, the Lions just fully embracing him. Dan Campbell in the post-game locker room clip that came out and said, you're good enough for Detroit, Jared Goff, like with a couple <laughs> F-bombs thrown in, which is awesome. And you know what, Matt Stafford? I got a bone to pick with Matt Stafford. He was incredible in this game. He was great. And you know what? The fans booed him, as they should, because good on him. He won it out. He won his Super Bowl. Probably one of the biggest win-win trades of all time for how it's going so far. 
but they're going to boo you. It's their first playoff <laughs> game. You, they need to win the first playoff game in 31 years, and you're the old you're the old flame, the ex-girlfriend rolling into town with your new West Coast hubby, and you, they want to beat your ass. That's what they want to do, and they're going to boo you. And after after the game, he's like, I'm, I'm really happy for the players. I'm really happy for the players. <laughs> Come on, man! Like, grow up. If, you, if he hadn't won a Super Bowl yet, I would I would give it to him a little bit more. He's had his moment in the sun. This was this was cool. I get you're pissed off and whatever, and and maybe if you're an LA Rams fan, you're fine with it because you don't want him like hobnobbing to another crowd. But yeah, I just I'm I'm really happy for Detroit, and I'm really happy <clears throat> that we get to see them again in that stadium because I tell you what, I think a lot of Detroit fans are going, you know. We might not get this again anytime soon, just knowing who we are as the Lions. We better do it up just like we did it up in the first game. But really cool. The Jared Goff stuff was awesome. He played well, too, which was cool to see. Like, it wasn't just a, oh, like, they ran the ball 40 times and ended up getting the win. And sucks for the Rams, too, because outside of the Stafford storyline, I really wish they would have played against the Eagles or Bucks. So neither (laughs) one of those teams was in the next round. Yeah, if fans are going to boo the widow of Jerry Krause in Chicago yeah. at a celebration of yep. the team's yep, yep, yep. championship rings. Uh, f- different fans will boo at, at an old QB <laughs> coming back into town. That The threshold is uh, is not at where Matt Stafford, I think, wanted it, wanted it to be for that. Um, next game, Steelers-Bills, a game of who wants it less. Um, <laughs> the Steelers basically imploded the entire first half <laughs> somehow get into halftime 21-7 because the Bills uh, Bills um, and decide to attempt a 49-yard field goal in 30-mile-an-hour swirling winds when their kicker had knuckleballed extra points all game, barely made extra points. They decide to then try this ridiculous field goal that gets blocked and gives the Steelers excellent field goal field, uh, field position. Uh, to score their only touchdown of the half. It's 21-7. Steelers get the ball back in the second half. It's 24-17. This stupid Steelers team is in a 24-17 ball game. Can't quite close it out. Um, Bills move on. Steelers officially finally dead. Um, But in the narrative voice of any Wes Anderson movie that you've ever seen, uh, Antonio strongly disagreed with his co-hosts about rooting against the Steelers in this particular matchup. I didn't want the Bills to continue on in the postseason, and I absolutely wanted the Pittsburgh Steelers a third time at the bank. So, yes, I was rooting for the Bills to lose. I was not rooting for the Steelers to win, Bills to lose, but I did not have that reciprocated by my co-hosts in the text thread. So I'm, I'm airing the dirty laundry here on the pod. Yeah, Patreon exclusive here. Uh, very soon, very soon. It's going to be very cheap. Don't worry. Um, yeah, like, Antonio, anybody that listens to this podcast knows you're the rationable, reasonable one. Of course you were going to be rooting for the worst team to get through, so it was a worst team that we had to face. I totally understand it. For Jason and I, we were watching the Steelers do stupid Steelers stuff, and I didn't want to watch the stupid Steelers do stupid Steelers stuff against the stupid Ravens in the stupid playoffs. I didn't want to see it because you know it was going to happen. Marlon Humphrey was going to fall over, and George Pickens was going to have a 45-yard touchdown when we're up 28-7, to and then all of a sudden it's 28-21 because Lamar fumbles and TJ Watts on one leg, and he's doing the stupid kick with his bad leg, and they're talking about the stupid kick with the bad... I didn't want to see any of it. I didn't want to see a single 
thing of it. But you're right. I don't want to see the Bills either. I don't want to see the Bills either. But this is what happens in the playoffs. You got to play good teams. Texans, good team. Got to play them. Um, the best thing that came out of this game for me, to take all that away, and apologies. I hope you didn't have to turn the uh, podcast down too much there. Is that, one, the Bills will still bill any opportunity they get. And two... <laughs> There is a very good chance that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to have a quarterback competition next offseason featuring Mason Rudolph and Kenny Pickett. Like, that might be a legit thing that happens. And you know what? I'm all for it. Because Mason Rudolph, guys, he looked great in this game. Just just stick to that big dumb face. I'm sure that'll be good for all parties involved, including the rest of the AFC North. Um, what a weird game. I think... I think overall, yeah, the the Steelers are always just going to be a hard-fought team and then not cover the plus 10, which is incredibly infuriating, which we'll get to later in the podcast. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't I, – I, I don't regret in the moment not wanting to play that stupid team in the stupid playoffs at stupid M&T Bank Stadium. Yeah, and, and I, I tried to like... – you're right, Antonio. Like, rationally, you are correct. It would have been better to play the Steelers than a Texans team that is clearly better than the Steelers. Like, much better. <laughs> like, much better than the Steelers. <laughs> yeah, significantly better quarterback, all that stuff. I, I get it. But, uh, and I lied to my friends. My friends asked me. They were like, who do you want to win? And at first I said, it is what it is. I don't really have a preference. You know, you got to play, you got to play. Um, positives, negatives to each one. And then I was just watching that game, and I just couldn't help myself. I was just rooting against the Steelers. I saw the black and gold. I saw annoying things happening. Uh, I saw the Bills nearly blow it. I saw John Harbaugh say that uh, earlier on Monday that they'd started preparing for the Texans and they could pivot. And I was like, oh, that's not going to blow up in their face at all when the Steelers win this game. And they use that as bulletin board material. So first that put me on the defensive. And then... uh, uh, yeah, just as this game went on, I, I just I couldn't I couldn't stop myself. I was just rooting against the Steelers, kind of just instinct subconsciously. Um, I don't like watching that team. They're a miserable watch. I have no interest playing them again. Uh, I always root for them to lose. And you know, again, it's not good to think this way. But with the Browns losing, with the Steelers losing, it at least put the thought in my mind that was like, if this goes bad on Saturday. God. At least we're all miserable. We're all in the mud together. We're all Ridiculous. we're all just in the dirt. We're all just in the trash. <laughs> Everyone's miserable and sad. So yeah, I don't know. I root against against the Ravens' direct rivals. So sue me. <laughs> I, I didn't. I had no interest in watching the Steelers win. And like Tim said, just no. Like I don't think I could have made it through a Ravens Steelers game with this amount of stakes. The last time we played the Steelers in the playoffs, we were kind of a mediocre wild card team that still could have made the Super Bowl the way they play, Flacco played that playoffs. But um, I don't know. It was low stakes that time in Pittsburgh. Hosting a seven-seeded Steelers team that beat you twice in the regular season, even though you didn't try once. Like, if the Ravens somehow had managed to lose that game, we would have had to stop the podcast. I just straight up, like, would never watch the Ravens again, I think, if they lost to the Steelers <laughs> to lose. So just removing that entire possibility, uh, I was for it. I just, I didn't want it. And yes, the Texans are a harder team. They're, they're a better team. And I should have wanted the Steelers to win because chances are they would have probably kicked the Steelers' butt. But for some reason, they've won, beaten us seven out of eight, and I just didn't want it. So yeah, long, I, I couldn't help it. I was rooting against them. Uh, speaking of miserable trash in the mud eagles bucks 
Um, <laughs> this is the uh, I Should Have Listened to the Fellas Game of the Week. Again, a historically bad gambling weekend for yours truly. Eagles could not tackle. Eagles couldn't get first downs. And the Bucks somehow go from scoring nine points against the Carolina Panthers in a must-win to 32 against the Eagles in the postseason. Um, and after me making fun of Kate Otten, he leads the team in targets, catches, and yards. I had mentioned that the Eagles linebackers weren't good, so tight ends take advantage, but the Bucks had Kate Otten, so how scared should we be? Yeah, like nine catches and 89 yards, he played very well, so I guess the Eagles linebackers were bad enough for even Kate Otten to shine. Um, but other than that, just gross Eagles, a weird game, and the Bucks, the Bucks get to move on. <laughs> Yeah, I thought the Eagles' performance was embarrassing. Like, I thought the Bucks played good. They played fine. But the Bucks still did things that, like, illustrate to me why they're a nine-win team. They were offside on field goal attempts two separate times during this game. And you're just like, this is bad coaching. This is why you have nine wins. You know, they had several drops on top of, even though they largely lit the Eagles up, they could have been even worse. There were... A ton of drops, so I don't know. I just, I just thought this game said so much more about the Eagles and the Bucks. The Bucks played good, Bucks played fine, but the Eagles were ten and one, and they finish eleven and six and go one and done in the playoffs. It's just one of the most unprecedented collapses we've seen. The owner looked like he wanted to fight someone in the box. He was so just angry, angered looking, and I don't, you know, it seems like Nick Sirianni's going to somehow find a way to be fired. Like I think even more than. Uh, even more than the Cowboys, like the Cowboys, I thought they choked in the sense, like they choked, like they were just too tight and they didn't play well. And, and all the things we talked about, the Eagles quit and they quit several weeks ago <laughs> and just continued to quit. They quit when the Cardinals didn't have to punt against them, a three win team at the time. Uh, they quit in, you know, this game against the Bucks. They just got rolled over in a playoff game. Uh, when you just saw you, you saw the Cowboys get knocked out, you know you're going to Detroit, right? If you win that game, uh, and they didn't do it, or no, uh, yeah, you're going to Detroit if you win, and they couldn't they couldn't do it. They didn't even try to do it. So yeah, I, I I'd be surprised if Sirianni stays in and coach. And yeah, I assume the Lions will win. I don't know. <laughs> it was I don't have too much to add about the Bucks, but yeah, for the Eagles, this was just an all time sort of collapsed end this season. Yeah, I mean, this is this is bad, bad. There was like a hit piece out on ESPN before the game, which usually happens after the game as well, so, citing some issues in the locker room and stuff. I know Jalen Hurts was hurt. I know, you know, no AJ Brown, but this is a pretty pathetic downfall from where you were with the window so very open to being so so very shut at this point. Um, and the Bucks like. Good, you know what? Good on Baker Mayfield for figuring out that he needed to just live in Tampa Bay because Tampa Bay is well suited for Baker Mayfield. And good on him. I hope I hope that Detroit beats him by forty-five. Um, <laughs> but the Eagles, yeah, I'd, I I talked about Mike McCarthy before. I think Nick Sirianni is more likely to go than Mike McCarthy. I think I think that there's too much talent. That is that is a franchise that will pull the trigger when needed. And like there's there's no semblance of the Super Bowl team. 
There's no semblance. They were a fraud at 10-1, and one, according to all the advanced metrics and what have you. They completely crumbled down the stretch. And then what they put out there in the playoffs, tackling, execution, all of it was embarrassing. The play calling, I mean, the play calling looked like 12-year-old me on rookie mode in Madden. Like, run screen pass. Oh, okay, there's going to be constant blitzers. I'm going to keep running empty with my quarterback who has four fingers on his throwing hand. They're gonna send. They're gonna send six guys. No need to put a running back in there to block. We'll just uh, throw down the sidelines. And it, it, it nothing worked. I know Eagles fans know this, and we're preaching to the choir. But man, just a complete and utter like breakdown of what looked like a stable franchise with a with a wide open window. And yeah, I think I think changes have to be made. The curse of the Super Bowl loser. Uh... Almost undefeated. There was one one team a few years ago, I think, that, that did well. I forget who. Anyway, let's look ahead now. Divisional round. It's time. The first game to talk about. Uh, not in order of importance, certainly. But Packers, 49ers. Niners, similar to the Ravens, have kind of just been hanging out the last couple of weeks. Can the Packers have a repeat performance? Is the, I mean, did they just excel against a Cowboys team that already has proven to be chokers and just had a full meltdown in a high-stakes moment? Was that mostly the the Cowboys falling, or was it really this Packers team figuring things out, certainly offensively? I mean, the Jordan Love stuff, I don't have the exact numbers, but it's something like 24 touchdowns to one interception over the last, like, eight-plus games or nine-plus games, including this playoff game. Can he just keep this thing rolling? He certainly wasn't afraid that the moment wasn't too big for him playing a postseason debut in Dallas. Um, can they keep this thing going against a rested 49ers team and, and put up a fight with, with a line, obviously, that is Niners by nine and a half, which I think is pretty high. Um, can the Packers hang hang on in this game and, and make it a fight late? I would say Jordan Love might be able to. Um, but the only thing that's going to beat the Niners in this game is the Niners. I think I think the Niners go, look, look at that defense over there. They can't stop anything. They are Swiss cheese. Christian McCaffrey, here's the ball. Run, 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 run. Debo screen, run, run, run. Ayuk, run. Kittle, run. Touchdown, move on. Like I think if the Packers don't shoot themselves in the foot early, which I think is a theme for the two teams that we're on by um, – I think that they could ha- blow this thing open. The Packers can maybe have a backdoor cover, keep things close, but I think I think that just that matchup there on that side of the football is going to be too much to overcome for Green Bay. Although I do, I still agree. I think that line is pretty high, but I think it's just going to be really tough sledding to try and get in a shootout with uh, a Niners offense that, in theory, should be good. That being said, the Packers come out and kind of punch the. Uh, punch the Niners in the mouth like they did the Cowboys. The Niners are another team that doesn't like fighting from behind. Kyle Shanahan, historically bad at coming from behind. So if the Packers start fast, it could be a whole different conversation. Yeah, I completely agree with him. The what the level Love's been playing at certainly gives them a chance, but I, it's just hard to not envision the Green Bay defense kind of getting run over by by the, the, the 49ers uh offense um 
So Green Bay on the season was 28th in the league in defensive rush yards against per game. It's, it's not what you want going against the NFL's rushing leader. I, I expect McCaffrey to probably have a pretty big game. Um, and, and even, you know, Purdy, aside from his meltdown against the Ravens, uh, if that didn't happen, he probably would have been or was on a pace to possibly be the NFL MVP. So um, he's pretty accurate, except for when he played us. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's just hard to think. You know, the Packers' defense played a little better in recent weeks, kind of shut down the Bears. Um, pretty handled the Cowboys pretty decently. Got the pick six, another pick early from Jair Alexander against Dak. But we talked about it. Dak seemed off. It seemed tight, and you know it's it's hard to think the 49ers are going to um, be that. I, I don't expect too much of a letdown from them, and I, I think I think it's been fun for the Packers. I think you view this season as nothing but a success, and I think it's fine if you get kind of run over <laughs> in the divisional round by the number one seed. I think that's okay, and I think that's probably what might happen here. The Packers, um, a great decision with winning the coin toss against the Cowboys and wanting the ball first. Yep. Going up seven nothing, you already are having the nerves in the stadium. I feel like they almost they have to have that happen in this game. They have to win the toss. They will very likely take the ball first, and they have to go down the field and score a touchdown and be up seven nothing and, and be able to dictate that way. Um, so yeah, may, may, maybe up to a coin toss for the Packers <laughs> to even have a chance, uh, according according to me. Um, next game, Bucks Lions. Free game for the Lions or Bucks sleeper potential after getting all that confidence against the Eagles in that blowout? Um, or is this really just, boy, the Lions played themselves right into a nice little seed, a nice little situation here? I, yeah, I, the Lions could definitely lose this game. Yeah. I think the yep. entire yep. history. We're all thinking it. Lions. Okay, we're all yeah. thinking it. All right. <laughs> I think the history of the Lions, even the very recent history of the Lions, suggests they can. Now, they did beat the Bucks. This year, we should say it was way back in week six. So it was a while ago, but they won in Tampa Bay, uh, in Tampa, twenty to six in week six. Um, I expect the Lions to win, uh, but I think it's going to be a close game. I, I don't think this is give me by any by any stretch because I think similar to what we were just talking about, Tim, with the Packers. I think the Lions' defense, you know, they can make some plays, but um, they didn't have too many stops really for the Rams. The Rams. It was it was a very bend but don't break performance for the Detroit defense against the uh, the Rams on Sunday because the Rams moved the ball pretty well but kept settling for field goals and that's ultimately what decided the game in the end. So um, I think the Lions defense, even though you know Hutchinson's great, it has some good players and some moments, but I just think against a Bucks team that does have talent, has Mike Evans, has Chris Godwin. Um, I don't, I don't think the Bucks are good enough to win. I, like I, I said, they still displayed some tendencies that of why they were a nine-win team at the end of the day, even in a, pretty, a romp. But um, it's just hard to trust sort of the Lions' defense to, to stand, <laughs> to, to withstand some of the talent Tampa has. So, yeah, I, I, I think the Lions do win, but it could be close. And it uh, should be, I think, a good game. And as Tim, you mentioned, it'll be rocking uh, in there because this is a Lions team with a chance to go to the NFC Championship game for the first time in, as we said, 32 years. Um, and uh, it's rare. <laughs> it's obviously rare for this franchise and a step they want to take. So, 
yeah, should be a great atmosphere and very old NFC Central rivalry. <laughs> and uh, um, yeah, it's uh, should be a, it's it's a weird game. It's the weirdest game of this weekend for sure. Uh, kind of almost stunning. It's not the Saturday four thirty game, but uh, um, yeah, it, it's 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 a it's a strange game, but it should it could be good. I think. All right, let's get to Chiefs Bills then. Um, are we going to get the thirteen seconds classic? Or is this year's matchup great in name only based on everything that we've seen from the Chiefs and Bills all season? <laughs> I think I think we're going to get a classic, maybe not the 13 seconds, but I think it's more of these, these teams might not be as good as those teams, although the Bills are hot. Um, the Chiefs are the Chiefs in the postseason. I think these teams are kind of the same, where very <laughs> talented, very good teams that have some fatal flaws in them, and I think that's going to make for a very entertaining matchup. I mean... Buffalo. This is kind of for me. It's like Buffalo. If not now, when with Patrick Mahomes, um, you know, he did go in there during kind of the COVID year. Went into Orchard Park and won. But you know, Bills Mafia isn't there. It's a whole different thing. You can kind of throw that out there. Um, I think that I think the Bills need this one. I think they really need this. The animal is wounded. You need to cut its head off, type of thing with the Chiefs, and they're the Bills, so they're probably going to bring a butter knife rather than like a machete and try and work their way around the head and, and screw some things up artery blood get the old wood chipper out yeah they'll get the wood chipper out they'll 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 they might accidentally put their hand in it instead like the bills could totally bills this um so i i really don't know uh with this game but i think because of that i think because of the uncertainty yet level of talent on each of these teams i think we are going to see a really good one it's it's really cool that i think this is the end game too sunday at Again, as a man who has to wake up early for work, 6 o'clock. Thank you so much for the 6 o'clock. I love the 6 o'clock. It's amazing. Um, yeah, I'm exci- I'm really excited for this one. And, you know, God willing, watching with a little bit of investment uh, as well <laughs> at the end of the day. Yeah, what 100% what Tim said. I think exactly that. Like, there, there are inconsistencies uh, and just weirdness for both teams this year could make it close. It could also make this one a real slog where the Chiefs' defense is good, but the Chiefs can't really move the ball. And Josh Allen's just throwing weird picks every time uh, Kansas or, uh, the Bills get close. The only other thing we should note, and obviously this is probably noted everywhere, Patrick Mahomes. It's his first road playoff game uh, in his career, year six. As a starter, he's playing outside of Arrowhead Stadium in the postseason for the first time. So that makes it interesting. We've never seen Mahomes on the road, uh, obviously out, outside of the Super Bowl context. Um, so, yeah, as Tim said, Bill's Mafia. It's going to be going crazy. Uh, it's supposed to not be full of snow, so it should be packed. Uh, hopefully easier for fans to get to. Will be cold. It'll look like a high of like 21 or something when I checked. Uh, it'll be a cold one. It's Buffalo in January. So it'll be interesting just from that standpoint. I I, I mean, 13 seconds, that was such – that's like a, one of like the five greatest games I feel like I've ever watched in my life. So I'm not I'm not saying that's it's going to be that good because that game was just unbelievable, just a real heavyweight bout. But, I mean, it's – you know, the two best quarterbacks in the AFC that aren't named Lamar Jackson uh, in this game. And, uh, yeah, it's it's always a joy to watch good quarterbacks go together. I think the kind of 
defining thing of these playoffs is like to this point it's certainly in the afc it's like oh the teams that advanced all have better quarterbacks and the quarterbacks that started like 99 percent of the year and not like eighth string joe flacco and mason rudolph and, and, and all this so it, 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 we get the best of the best um in the divisional round and it doesn't get better as a quarterback battle than what we'll see uh when chiefs and bills square off all right enough of that Let's get to the big one. How do we do time-wise? Five minutes past what I said. Not bad. I'll take it. Ravens at the bank versus the Houston Texans. Ravens, nine and a half point favorites as of (laughs) time of recording here. Okay. Um, We know what the stakes are. We know what happened the last time the Ravens were the top seed and struggled in 2019. Uh, We know that these two teams, Ravens-Texans, played. Week one of this season, very different landscape for both teams, certainly. But I'm going to get into this preview, just lobbing some questions at my at my co-hosts, and we're gonna we're gonna talk it out. We're gonna figure some things out. We're gonna feel a little better at times, a little worse uh, at, at other times. But we're gonna come out with a little bit of an understanding of of what the Ravens <laughs> need to do to win this football game. And the first one, maybe the most important one. Can the Ravens start fast? By game time, Lamar Jackson and many other starters will not have played real football minutes in three weeks. Some of the guys who were hurt will not have played in four weeks. The opening drive, three and out, that's guaranteed. I've just locked that. I wish I could bet on that. I probably can somewhere, uh, like Macau or something like that. But the opening drive, three and out has happened. <laughs> But can they put drives together in the first quarter? Can they go up 7-0? Can they dictate? Can they go up 10-3 and have a stranglehold of the game? Have the crowd going nuts every time the Texans get the ball? Because that's important. Based on the history of this team and the postseason and the narratives are going to start flying. They're going to do the camera shots of all the crowd if it's 7-0 Texans. Can the Ravens start fast in this football game? given the rest-rust situation that they are facing and the pressure uh, coming off that 2019 game? I don't know if they can, um, but I think I think you really bring up a really good point. One, I think it's imperative, and I think the crowd, not that we can influence this at all, I think the crowd is going to be on edge, and I think they deserve to be on edge, and the Ravens should kind of know that. And it's almost like the second drive is important because Antonio – you're so right. Three and out's going to happen, and I'm going to be sitting on my couch, hands on my face, like just pacing, shoveling buffalo chicken dip in at a rate that no man has ever seen because I'm so stressed out. And I, the Ravens need to take all of that and just say, guys, we got it. Don't worry. And just dominate from then on early in this first quarter. I, I, I certainly hope they can. I think that they also – in a weird way, and they can they can tell the crowd to do whatever they want. The crowd's going to act how the crowd's going to act. I think they, as a team, need to not stress out, not go Cowboys, not freak out when stuff happens, not do the Greg Roman, oh my God, we're down by seven, now we're going to pass every play thing. Like, keep calm and carry on, as, as Target saying as that is. I think that that's, that's kind of the very important thing of, the three and out might come, probably going to come. You can't be rusty after that. Like, that's got to be, all right, everything's knocked off. Let's go win a football game. I think that is 
imperative. It's it's obvious, but it's obvious for a reason because it is so so important for this football game. I don't disagree. It's obviously important, um, but I was just looking, Tim, at basically what the Ravens did since this year's bye week. They really haven't started fast, <laughs> kind of in any game down the stretch, really. And I think that's both concerning for the reasons you guys have laid out, uh, but also encouraging because it has generally meant that they've built and built better over the course of the game. Since the bye week, the only um, touchdown they scored on their first drive was against the Dolphins, best I could tell. And they were already down 7 nothing at that point. So I see both sides of it because I'm with you. That stadium is going to go dead the second they're not in the lead. And we just know it's going to happen. It's going to be cold. It's going to be like it's like the coldest day in January, basically. <laughs> One of them. And uh, they're going to if they fall behind, it will get quiet. People will clench up. It's just what happens in the playoffs. Uh, and so I agree with you. If they can score a touchdown on their first drive, that's going to go so long. Uh, to just uh, just assuaging like everyone's fears of, of, for everything. I mean, you, you think, you know, I don't think about this game too much because I don't think it really matters. But the other last game they saw, playoff game, the Ravens played in that stadium that wasn't the Tennessee game, was them falling behind like 24-3 to to the uh, Chargers or whatever it was. Uh, it, it just hasn't been a lot of playoff success in that building really ever, weirdly. But especially... Um, I mean, it's the first since 2019 uh, playoff game we've been playing at home. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think it's more important for the fans <laughs> that the Ravens jump out early than the actual players. Because I think they proved um, that they, they hang in for all four quarters, especially since the bye. Um, they've gotten better, especially the San Francisco and especially the Miami game. They've gotten better, like, after halftime, kind of putting games away. Um just kind of finishing things. Um, but yeah, so I see, I think it's more important to, to, to get the fans on your side than it actually is for the, the team itself on the field. See, um, this is why, this is why we're doing this. This is the exercise, Jace. Uh, excellent points. That 49ers start seemed like a disaster. On the road, give up a scoring drive, get the r- ridiculous safety. I had uh, some big concerns about that game. And then they dominated from from there on out. So, uh, you're right. We'd like to have it, but maybe not um, not as as mandatory. Hopefully, but I would certainly for my intestines, it would it would be better for the Ravens to to score first and start fast. What about offensive mindset? What about kind of the philosophy for Munkin in this game? Is it we're gonna hit the run? We're gonna hit the run, get into third and shorts, and convert from there. Or is it going to be, you know what, the strength of this team has been pass, 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 let Lamar run when he wants to. That's when we're going to get the, the big yards on the ground. Otherwise, spread out the weapons, find guys open. I mean, basically the, the Miami uh, attack that worked play after play. Fourth and seven, going for it. Don't need the field goal, going for it and getting a 40-yard touchdown or 30-some-yard 30, 30 touchdown. How do you think Munkin is going to approach this given – the talent at his disposal right now with the injury, injuries to the running backs and the struggles there um, and, and the situation of it being the postseason game. Well, if you look at the numbers, the Texans are a, a clearly better run defense than they are a pass defense. They're giving up like 97 yards per game uh, through the ground and through the air. It's something um, they're, they're towards the bottom third in the league, uh, giving up about 234 yards per game through the air. 
I don't necessarily know. It's weird with Munkin, right? Because I can't really pinpoint what it is, probably because we had such a simple offense. It was an effective but simple offense for such a long time where I think Munkin's going to have a game plan for how to expose this Texans defense. Um, the Texans defense played very well against Joe Flacco and the Browns. The Texans defense certainly has some pieces. Will Anderson, it looks like a move that everybody thought was crazy at the time, is panning out. Derek Stingley is a top pick at corner as well. But one thing to point out, this Texans defense, led by D'Amico Ryans, their head coach on the rise, I, I understand that as well. Um, outside of the game against the Ravens in week one, which, you know, two totally different teams, I'm just going to read out quickly the teams that this team, this defense has faced. So just have a think of quarterbacks, who that might be. Colts, Jags, both twice. Titans, twice. Steelers, Falcons, Saints, Panthers. Buccaneers, who hung 37 on them in November, by the way. Bengals with Jake Browning, Cardinals, Jets, Broncos, Browns, and then that would be it because there's all divisional matchups again. They haven't really faced a top 10 offense, maybe even a top 15 offense. Uh, they haven't seen this before. They have not seen this before. When they saw the Ravens, they were still figuring stuff out with Todd Munkin. This is a well-oiled machine that, again, we just start, we already did the rust thing, so we don't have to go back to that again, but... This Texans defense has never seen the terror of Lamar Jackson, Isaiah Likely, Rashad Bateman, Odell Beckham Jr., Zay Flowers, maybe Mark Andrews, Gus Edwards, Justice Hill. They, they, have, they haven't seen this, this capable of an offense before this season. And look, I think D'Amico Ryans is a phenomenal head coach and a phenomenal defensive mind. They certainly have talent on that side of the football. He's going to have them ready, but... Until you get to the between those white lines, you ain't know what you don't know what's coming, and I don't think they're gonna know what's coming on this side of the ball. Yeah, and, and no offense to our, our good friend Joe Flacco, uh, but he is not Lamar Jackson. <laughs> he, uh, no, I think, <laughs> I, I think you know uh, Lamar is going to win MVP. I think for a reason, and I think we look at like those 49ers and those Miami games. In Miami, he only had to throw it 21 times. He completed 18. They were just so hyper efficient in that game so i think you look more towards that san francisco game where they had him wing it he threw it 35 times uh so i don't think munkin is going to be afraid to pass and i i that's why it, it encourages me that we're not just like when it comes to our offensive attack it's not going to be the titans game where the titans punch the ravens in the mouth uh they couldn't they couldn't run there was a few fourth down stops right and uh, and suddenly the Ravens were playing from behind, and, and Greg Roman couldn't adjust. I think Monk has shown that he can adjust enough over the course of the year. Or, uh, yeah, over the course of the year, if things aren't quite going their way. And adjust, I by the way, just quickly, adjust without panicking. I think is the big yes. thing. Adjust without yeah. panic. <laughs> yeah, it can't just be like, oh, we're never running it again now. Uh, <laughs> that sort of thing. But uh, um, I think they're going to put a lot of Lamar. I, I think. He, he's the MVP he deserves to be. And I think, you know, he carries the load a lot, but like he's the high, he's one of the highest paid players in football, right? That's what, that's the job. You get that kind of money. Uh, it's gotta be on you. And I think you gotta, you gotta just ride what got you here. And down the stretch, it was Lamar. Uh, he was just brilliant down the stretch. And so I think we are going to probably see them pass more than we are used to certainly with Ravens in a playoff game. Um, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I, you know, I think with Gus putting it on the ground the last two games, that concerns me. Uh, Justice Hill, uh, 
do we see Dalvin Cook? That would be a weird wrinkle, I guess, <laughs> in this offense. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a, a Lamar-heavy early, often game plan. And I think we're going to see possibly Lamar run more than he has to any point this year because, you know, it, it seems like, as, as we talked about, as it got down the stretch, Lamar seemed to run more and more and more. And I think I think we could see him scramble if, you know, a Will Anderson's chasing him. That kind of no read options with Justice Hill, and I'm fine with that. <laughs> All right, let's let's flip it to the other side of the ball here. Uh, how is Mike McDonald and company? How are they going to contain C.J. Stroud? Because I tell you what, one thing I saw a lot of in that Browns game, and this is what I what I teased uh, earlier in the episode: Texans taking advantage of Browns over aggressiveness, over pursuit, over and over and over again. They had running plays. Right in behind Miles Garrett, pass rushing, which is what the Ravens did several times. They had bootlegs where multiple Browns would just sprint at Stroud and leave open receivers in the flat. If you go look at that long touchdown they had to the Texans' tight end, uh, I forget the name. I think Johnson might have been the last name. I forget the first name. It's just a little bootleg, and two Browns sprint at Stroud, leaving the tight end wide open, and it turns into a 70-yard, 60-yard touchdown. I kind of feel like our veteran pass rushers, veteran and all-pro linebackers, doing a better job of staying with their assignments, knowing the spot, knowing the role, letting the play come back to them, and just kind of being in control of the play alone is going to go a very long way to making the offense for the Texans have to be better than what they were against the Browns. A lot of the stuff against Cleveland was just wide open, miscommunication, misreads, not passing off an assignment when a guy comes in motion or comes across the formation after, you know, post-snap. I kind of just like, like, our system being able to manage this better than the Browns did, certainly. And at that point, Stroud's going to have to make more plays, harder plays, harder throws, uh, less, you know, less space, less open receivers, and have to do it repeatedly with this with this sort of terrifying Ravens pass rush. I think it matches up kind of well, um, but I'm curious as to, as to your thoughts on, on the defensive side. Yeah, I, I think our consistency, we, I mean, we talked about the Browns thing, the, the one versus 32 splits. I, I completely agree with you. I think the consistency of their pass rush and just defense in general, maintaining gaps, that comes down to coaching, right? And um, I just like it more than what the Browns showed. Uh, and, um, you know, we mentioned that there's not a ton of takeaways uh, from the first game uh, that they played in week one uh, to this game, but they did sack Stroud five times in that game. And to your point, Antonio, I think they can definitely get some pressure in this game. And I think it's going to be important to, um, because I think they're going to have to pass the ball a lot because the Texans can't run. That's like something we should say they 3.7 yards per carry for the Texans all season long. Uh, the Ravens are up at 4.9 uh, just by comparison. Um, and, you know, at least in terms of big play guys, they lose tank Dell mid season. So the other guy I think to disrupt in the past game is if they can slow Nico Collins at all, you have to imagine Marlon Humphrey, maybe uh, get the assignment on that, but he, he Stroud's go-to guy. And so he's the guy I feel like I look at a lot at least when it comes to this defensive the defensive side um but yeah it's gonna it's gonna be up to the pass rush like you said I, I think stroud's good enough that you can't give him time he's very accurate even as a very young player 
Um, but I, I agree with you that I think they ha- can uh, do what Cleveland didn't uh, just because of their structure, because they're coaching. And uh, I'm not going to say they'll shut them down. I think they'll score more. There's, they'll score more than the nine points they scored the first time the Ravens played them. But uh, I don't know how much more than that. I think, you know, if it gets too one-sided, I guess, or I, I, I basically, I don't think it's going to, just the Ravens defense has played too well, I think, for this to turn into a track meet. And even if it does, I still think that might favor the Ravens. So, um, I don't know. Maybe I'm overconfident. <laughs> I'm a little worried. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I they, they just The, the way the, the defense has played, basically since that stupid Browns game, they've been lights out. Uh, the only quarterback that got them was Stafford. Um, you know, and maybe that's a concern. Matt Stafford's the best quarterback they've played. All season, probably, and he put 31 points on him. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm i I'm confident in the defense's ability to kind of contain Stroud. Um, and and I, maybe this is reductive, but just he's still a rookie, even if he's a historically good rookie. Only, like, two quarterbacks ever have reached the championship round as rookie quarterbacks. It's really hard, and I, I like our just kind of historic record against rookie quarterbacks, even ones we've already played. Yeah, I, th- I think all these are good points. Like, I, I think – I think C.J. Stroud can still have a good to great game, and the Ravens can win this by ten. Like I think, I think that's a very possible outcome here. Um, you know, Jace mentioned it. The Ravens' run defense has not been as good as needed, but the Texans do not run the ball at all. They pass the ball very well, and I think on Antonio's point about remaining disciplined, I think is so important. Um, the uh, the Texans are the second best team in terms of turnovers and interceptions. They do not give the ball away. They, uh, you know, C.J. Stroud for a long time didn't throw an interception. It was a long stretch of games, and he threw a couple. Um, so I wouldn't expect turnover, a turnover fest, but if the Ravens remain disciplined and they get this Texans team into third downs, the Texans are 19th in third down percentage this year. So, you know, back half of the NFL, get them into some third and longs. Noah Brown is out. Tank Dell is out. There's Nico Collins and Dalton Schultz and, and a bunch of other just guys the Ravens have the talent advantage here, even with a really good quarterback. And I think Mike McDonald's going to have enough things schemed up, not only in the pressure type, because CJ Stroud was not pressured at all. He was able to like hop step up into the pocket to launch these balls 60 yards down the field against the Browns. Uh, so not only to create some pressure against him while staying disciplined, but also confusing some things on the back end too. Uh, we should say Kyle Hamilton back all pro safety by the way, Kyle Hamilton back all pro linebacker, second team, all pro linebacker, Patrick queen, all pro linebacker, Roquan Smith, um, second team, all pro Justin Matabika. God. Oh God. That defense is good. Um, I, I think it's one of those things where you remain disciplined. If they, if they matriculate the ball down the field, a couple of drives, it's not the end of the world. Um, and you know, shut them down at the end and we're walking out, you know, in the final four, which God, I just, I need, I just need Saturday, guys. I just, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I need Saturday. Uh, all right, last question for me before we kind of wrap up this this preview here. Offensively, obviously Lamar Jackson is uh, player A, B, C, and D in terms of importance. But who is an offensive X factor outside of him that you see either? You know, we're looking back on this game and the Ravens win by seven, and you say he was the difference maker. Who has to make the third down plays? Uh, it could be alignment. What is it Ronnie Stanley just shutting down the pass rush on the blind side all game? What kind of player do you think needs to be an X-factor 
for the Ravens to, to win this offensively. Uh, weird for me to go sexy here, but I'll go Odell Beckham Jr. I, I don't think he's going to have to have like seven catches for 150 yards and two touchdowns. But the, one of the things you mentioned there, Antonio, I'd love to see some third and sevens turn into first and tens. Thanks to Odell getting eight. You know what I mean? I think, and I think he's shown that he's capable of that um, throughout the, throughout the uh, season here, especially without the safety blanket in Mark Andrews, you know, if he plays kind of limited, even if he does try and go. So I'll go Odell Beckham Jr. as a chain mover, a making the Texans defense go hand on hips and heavy breathe because that drive is still moving because Odell picked up the first down. I'll go, I'll go Odell Beckham Jr. I was also thinking Odell. Oh, wow. <laughs> but God, we agree too much. Yeah, I know. And the other, the other reason, though, Tim, I was thinking it was just like he's one of the few guys who's won this round on this team. He obviously went to the Super Bowl with the Rams uh, a few years ago. Um, so he does have experience in big games in a way their other receivers don't. Um, but I'll kind of, I guess, say a, a guy we've, we've brought up, but Isaiah Likely. You know, he, he's kind of, you know, that, that – just sort of athleticism at the tight end that we said even like Mark Andrews isn't as fast as him isn't as athletic can't quite move the same uh even if yeah obviously Andrews I think is a better player but um yeah I think that could be tight end is always such a big thing because if it's like if the Texas linebackers just can't cover them uh tight ends it, it just it can wreck a game plan really in some ways so I think likely uh could be very important uh too we obviously we know Lamar loves to throw to tight ends he he uh had just that insane one leg throw that likely caught with one hand when we last saw them all out against the Dolphins uh he has touchdowns in a few straight games now right because he was one of our uh, he was our touchdown against the Steelers as well so um so yeah, so I'll say likely, uh, but I, I'll uh, I was thinking Beckham too, just for his experience factor and what Tim said, just moving the chains and um, yeah, I mean this this right like why you brought him in star power, so this is this is the time uh, the why you get paid there's for moments like this so um, yeah those are the two guys I, I I'll focus on. All right, last note for me the weather high of twenty eight degrees no snow no rain for now. It's going to be cold. Lamar is going to have just so many layers on when he's sitting on the sidelines. But guess what? The weather will not only impact the home team in this game. The Texans, they're a cute little dome team. They're going to find this environment a little different than they had last week inside at home uh, against Joe Flacco. I mean, it's a different game. Um, let's get to our gambling now. Here are our, our picks for the for the weekend. Um Again, just a just a historic, terrible week for me. 0-3. Browns, Cowboys, Eagles, they all got blown out. We don't need to talk about it anymore. <laughs> this week, I'm taking the Texans. I'm taking the Texans 9.5. It's too big of a number. Um, if the Texans go up 7-0, that's a comfortable lot. You're, you're already feeling pretty good about that line. If the Ravens are up two scores, there's so much backdoor potential with the Texans trying to make it a one-score game late. Um, I think this might end up being a field goal one direction or another. Nine and a half seems, uh, well, actually, honestly, I think it's going to be a little more than a field goal. I think it could be the game where a Tucker field goal late makes it from like a two point game to a five point game or a three point game to a six point game. And it's a huge field goal in the moment, um, because the Texans are unable to get a touchdown late. That's kind of how I see this going. Seven, nothing Texans to start. 
Ravens come back. It's back and forth. The Ravens able to extend just enough late, but that nine and a half, too big of a number for me. Um, so going with the Texans there. And then Chiefs, I'm taking them, plus two and a half. I do not believe in this Bills team. They do dumb stuff too often. Uh, I think this is it's postseason football. You go with the Chiefs until they lose. The The road thing really doesn't bother me that much. Um and I could see a game where this is a field goal late, but it's a two-point game, and the Chiefs lose by two, lose by one, and you can still cover still cover the plus two and a half. Um, and then finally, a tease. Three-team tease, six points. I'm putting the Chiefs back in this one, obviously, if I like them at two and a half. Uh, Chiefs plus eight and a half. That seems extremely comfortable to me. Um, moving the Lions down to minus .5. That, that is probably going to be a more annoying game than it needs to be, but I do think the Lions at home uh, against Baker Mayfield. I, I kind of like them in that spot. And then the Packers. I'm actually moving this the the, the, the long way. <laughs> I'm taking the Packers plus 15 and a half. There are scenarios where the 49ers win this game by 30 <laughs> points, obviously. But I think the Packers have enough offensively. Love has just, I, I'm sold on him. Mm-hmm. This last, the second half of the year, the amount of touchdowns, the keeping the turnovers down, finding receivers, throwing it, all angles, all over the field. Um, this has got backdoor cover to me, written all over it at plus 15.5. The 49ers have backups in late in the fourth quarter in a 21-point game, and the Packers are able to sneak a touchdown in late. So I am going to take the Packers plus 15.5 solely on uh, on offensive output there. So those are my picks. Uh, what do you guys have? Uh, so I went 2-1 and one last week. Uh, finally got back over 500 after a couple of 1-2s. 28-24 and, twos, uh, 28 and 24 on the year. Uh, we talked about Texans before. I was also on Rams plus three and a half, so we'll take the win there. Good teams win, great teams cover, and lost the Steelers, um, which was super annoying. Should have just taken the Chiefs. I mentioned on the show the Chiefs being the other team that I was thinking about. Should have just taken them against Tua in the bitter cold temperatures. Um, really mad about that. Could have gone three and zero this week. Uh, yeah, Texans plus nine and a half. You know me. That's too many points. Not doing that. Playoffs gonna be tight. I'm gonna be tight. Um, yeah, Texas plus nine and a half Ravens win. And my, I'm only going to do one more uh, pick here, and it, it is a tease uh, as well. A little bit different than Antonio. I'm also on the Lions minus a half, which, as it comes out of my mouth, scares the hell out of me because it's betting on the Lions to, to do a thing in the divisional playoff round at home. But, you know, maybe this is just a new leaf they're, they're turning over now. Um, I'm going to take the Chiefs up to plus eight and a half as well uh, with Antonio. Everything he said about the Bills. The Chiefs are either winning this game or they're not losing by eight and a half points. Like It's just not happening with this Chiefs team. Patrick Mahomes is not losing by more than seven. So I just think that's an easy one there. And I'm going the other way on the Niners game. I'm going to bring the Niners down to three and a half. I think they win this game and they win it by at least seven. Um, the three and a half scares me. I wish the line was just a little bit more so I get it to two and a half. I'm going to be a little bit more comfortable, but I think the Niners come out. I think the Niners kind of have the same thing as the Ravens do, where they know they have to prove something, um, even as good as they are. Uh, like, they still have some doubt about playoff performances and Kyle Shanahan not being able to come back and what have you. Um, I love the idea of the Packers 15 and a half. I, I think we middle that, honestly. I, th- I think it's a 14-point it's a game, and both Antonio and I are happy. But I'm going the other way. I'll take the Niners minus three and a half there. So I also went 0-3 Antonio, and I think what's impressive is we only had one game the same. There's only six games. 
<laughs> so I, I don't really know how we managed to, to do that. But I, I was with you, Tim on the Steelers. And somehow that game played out exactly kind of how I thought without exactly. the Steelers covering. Exactly. Yep, me too. <laughs> so uh, that was annoying. The Cowboys thing we talked about, I just didn't see coming. And then I rode with the Lions. Uh, I, I really wanted to. And they won. I, but I, I don't know. I guess which I wanted them. I just, I, I should have played the points more uh, uh, <laughs> diligently there. But uh, I don't know why I'm doing this. I'm just taking the Ravens minus nine and a half. I, I, I can't, because when I first saw the number, I was like, Texas plus nine and a half, easy. But I don't know. I just like, I think like from watching that Bills game, kind of, I'm like, why can't we just win by 10? <laughs> Like, I feel like the Ravens are good enough. They they hammered, they beat the Dolphins 56 to 19, and they beat the 49ers, what was that, 33-15, something like that? It was 33-19. Um, so they've hammered the last two good teams. With the last two games they tried, they beat playoff teams. And I don't know, like, even if they get off to a slow start, it's just hard for me to imagine. I will be catatonic if they <laughs> lose this game. <laughs> it's just hard for me to imagine. I'm not, like, real confident, but, like, at the same time, I'm just like, they just can't lose this game. <laughs> it just, I just refuse to believe it. So I'm picking the Ravens. Um, I'm sure they'll win by nine, exactly, and I'll somehow lose this the bet. But uh, otherwise, I'm going 49ers minus nine and a half. Kind of what you said, Tim, um, on your guys' sort of uh, teases. I... I don't think it's going to be like a 14-point win, but I just think the Niners can win by 10 pretty easily. I think that's a path uh, available to them. Um, I'm going with the Bucks plus 6.5. I do think the Lions win this game, but I think it will be close just because the Lions seem to just play close games because uh, some of the reasons we laid out. And then I just picked all four just because there's only the four. Um, I Chiefs plus 2.5 for pretty much the reasons you guys said. I trust the infrastructure more. It's two kind of weird styles, whereas, like, the Chiefs have been just kind of mediocre in the same consistent way all season to the point where I kind of know what they are versus the Bills are just all over the place, just shooting themselves to the foot left and right, and Josh Allen's throwing weird picks. So, weirdly, I still just trust the Chiefs more, even if I think the Bills' the Bills' highs are clearly higher this year. Um, but I think just Mahomes on the road, he has something to prove at his first road playoff game. I think the Chiefs win, and... In my heart, what I want to happen, well, not really want, but I'm just like, if the Ravens are going to win the Super Bowl and they win this week, don't they have to go through Patrick Mahomes in this era? It just seems like it's something that's going to happen um, if it's going to happen. So that's the other reason I went with the Chiefs, because I'm just like, if the Ravens win this game, there's no way they're not playing the Chiefs like to have to go to the Super Bowl. Um, so, yeah, Chiefs rounding it out, plus two and a half. Fellas, any final thoughts on the Ravens before I uh, wrap this up here? I, I'm nervous. <laughs> I mean, I like I said, it's so weird because I'm going to be stunned if they lose, but, like, they can lose. It's the playoffs. The Texans are a good team. Weird things happen. I don't know. Um, I just want the game to get here, mainly, I think. Yeah, I'm the same. <laughs> the waiting is the hardest part. I'm the same way, and I think a lot of this built-up, like, energy is one playoffs, one bye, but also – not playing anybody against the Steelers, too. So it's like, we haven't seen this team in a while. I need to see it again. I need to feel it. I need to be hands on knees, pacing around the basement, like doing the whole rigmarole. Um, I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm, I'm fired up. I, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm not as nervous as when we started this, uh, this podcast today. But 
Yeah, let's just let's just get to Saturday. Just we just need to get to Saturday. Everybody stay safe out there in the snowstorms. Get to Saturday and uh, let's enjoy some Ravens football one more time. Two more times, maybe three. <laughs> all right. Let's all let's all take a deep breath. This is not 2019. The Texans are not the most physical opponent like the Titans were. Lamar Jackson is a different level player than he was when he was checks notes 22 years old and in his first year as a starter in that 2019 playoff game. The coaching staff is better. The defense is miles better. The receiving core is legitimate. And maybe most importantly, the team has playoff experience from the last few years in their back pockets. They pass the eye test. They are analytic nerd, uh, analytic nerds dream. They can do this. Godspeed to all of us as the week ticks slowly to Saturday, but with courage in our hearts, we can do this. And by this, I just mean watch the game. Winning, <laughs> winning will be up to the Ravens. I'm Antonio Barbera for Jay Sevens and Tim Horsey. Thanks for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next week. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.